All right. Hi, I'm David Feldman, and this is the mop-up for December 26, 2023. Thank you so much for finding me. This is my 219th episode for 2023. Just tidying up around here. This episode is a best of. I do these, I don't know, three or four times a year. I put together some clips from the past couple of weeks that I think you might enjoy as I take today off. Well, technically, I'm not really taking the day off. I'm putting this clip show together. And I'm also doing the hardest work that I know of, and that is asking you for money. It's interesting. It's easy for me to prepare the show, perform the show, but for some reason, asking my listeners for money is always the hardest. It's the most difficult thing I do all year. I don't know why. I don't know why I find it so hard to ask you for money. Maybe it's because... I have low self-esteem. I don't think I'm worth money. Maybe. Or perhaps it's because most of my listeners enjoy watching me squirm. Maybe it's because most of my listeners are D-bags. That's probably it. Anyway, you a-holes, this is what I like to call a pledge-isode, where I ask scumbuckets like you for money. It's the end of the year. And I'm asking you kindly for some cash. By the end of the year, I will have produced close to 220 episodes, all free. But you self-important fever blisters just can't find a few shekels to throw my way. Sure, there's money for a non-union cup of Starbucks, but nothing for the guy who day in and day out reminds you of how bad things are and how much worse they're going to get. Oh, yeah, money for food, rent, but none for the guy who told you George Santos wouldn't get kicked out of office. And what happened? He got kicked out of office. I got that wrong. Isn't that worth throwing me a little change? Didn't I make you happy? Didn't I make you feel superior when I assured you that Kevin McCarthy would be speaker by the end of the year? Isn't it nice to feel smarter than David Feldman? Oh, sure, Sam Cedar makes you smarter. But smarter than whom? Certainly not smarter than Sam Cedar. You listen to my show, and all of you got to be smarter than the host. And you dim-witted ass carbuncles still can't find a few dollars at the end of the year to throw my way. I mean, your ingratitude is positively staggering. Now listen to me, you feeble-minded ingrates. Go get your wallet. Go get your wallet, you miserly imbeciles. Blow off the dust on your credit card, and then go to davidfeldmanshow.com and make a donation. God, this is so awkward for me. I accept all major credit cards. I don't want to hear money's tight. I don't want to hear you had a bad year. If you had a bad year, it's not my fault. Work harder, you indolent slug. I'm supposed to suffer because you don't feel like putting in a little more elbow grease at the job? Don't tell me you had a bad year. I'm sick of excuses. 
I want results. And by results, I mean I want you to fork over your money because I deserve it. Go to davidfeldmanshow.com and make a donation. This is really awkward. You know, I like I like doing a show, but the, you know, then asking people for money is just so... I'm having a cup of courage here. Let me just have another sip of courage. Ah, Look, you shouldn't have extra money lying around. That's my money. You should not have extra money because you have no taste. You listen to the David Feldman show. What are you going to do with this extra money? Blow it on tickets to see Alan Jackson or Tim McGraw or Chris Boddy in a stupid trumpet? That's my money, not theirs. That money belongs to me. How dare you? Seriously, you'll blow $100 to go see Back to the Future, the musical, but you don't have anything for the guy who day in and day out sits in his underwear for at least an hour to remind you of how terrible everything is. Go to davidfeldmanshow.com and make a donation. What, you want to bargain with me now? What am I, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? Am I asking you selfish pricks for money is like helping you deal with the five stages of grief? Is that what it's come to? First stage of grief, denial. Okay, you've denied me money. Up yours. Seriously, up yours. Second stage of grief, you're angry. Angry because I'm asking for money. You're angry? Believe me, I'm much angrier for having to ask. Third stage, bargaining. You want to bargain with me? I'm just asking you for a little money, and now I have to bargain with you. What do you want? What, what, what do you want to get in return for your, for your lousy donation? What do you want, a T-shirt, a coffee mug, a tote bag, perhaps a best of CD? Is that what you want, like NPR, where they pay their president and CEO, like a million dollars a year. Is that what you want? Oh, I got it. I know what you want. You want me to rope off the archives going back 14 years and only make them available to people who donate. Is that the bargaining you want right now? Would you like that? Is that is that going to seal the deal for you where you send me money and you get to feel superior because you have special access to the entire catalog and others don't because they can't afford it? Is that what you want, you greedy prick? Is that what you need? Is that what you need to feel better about yourself? Hey, look at me, everybody. I donated to the David Feldman Show. And now I get to go through thousands of episodes that other people can't because they don't have the money I do to donate. I'm special because I donated to the David Feldman Show. Go F yourself. No, seriously, go F yourself because I'm not bargaining, okay? What's next in the five stages of grief? Depression. You find it? You find it depressing? You're damn right it's depressing. How did we get here, though? Ask yourself that. How did we get to this point? Not my fault. No, no, no. I produced 220 shows this year. Whose fault is it that we're now ending 2023 on such a sour note. You're depressed. You're not entitled to be depressed. I held up my end of the bargain. 
And I honestly thought my work would speak for itself and the money would just flow in. It didn't. And that's your fault. Not mine. Your fault. I'm glad you're depressed. You deserve to be depressed. You had all year to send me money. And if you did send me money this year, well, apparently it wasn't enough because listen to what I'm doing right now. I'm asking for more money, okay? And yet you're depressed, you malignant narcissist. Poor me, I didn't donate to the David Feldman show. Or I did donate, but it wasn't enough. And now he's berating me for not thinking about his needs. And that makes me depressed. Boo effing who. It's all about you, isn't it? God, I hate my listeners. Go to davidfeldmanshow.com and make a donation. Okay, what's the final stage of grief? Oh, yeah, acceptance. This is my favorite, acceptance. You fought me every step of the way, and now you're just going to have to accept that nothing in life is free, so give me your goddamned money. You know what? Keep it. Forget, forget it. Forget I even brought it up. I'm sorry I asked. Seriously. I don't want your money. I don't want your money. You think I've been doing this show for nearly 15 years, so only the listeners who got lucky in life, the ones who have some extra cash, they get the smug satisfaction of helping me out? You think that's why I'm doing this? So so people who have a little extra money to send my way can feel smug? Seriously, if you're thinking of giving me money, Something is seriously wrong with you. What's lacking in your life that you need this, this counterfeit sense of superiority that comes with being the rare bird who threw David Feldman some money? Oh, what a hero you are. You deserve a parade because you donated to the David Feldman Show. Look at me, everyone. I'm a rich prick with a disposable income. I can blow it on a podcast I barely listen to. That's how successful I am. I can piss money away on David Feldman. Well, guess what, Padre? I'm not into golden showers, so keep your ill-gotten gains. Keep it. I don't want your money. Because we're not selling indulgences here. If you have extra money, let's be honest, you made it by destroying people's lives, wrecking the planet. Now you think you're going to make amends by donating to someone who is morally superior like David Feldman? You think you can buy your way into heaven by donating to the David Feldman show? I'm not for sale. I'm not offering up tickets to heaven here. You're immoral. You screwed people over. That's why you have extra money. Now just just sit in your filth. Anyway, go to davidfeldmanshow.com and make a donation. I accept all major credit cards. Enjoy this best of pledge-isode. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. You know, I was reading this morning about our repulsive Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. 
taking his daughter to a purity ball. I'm still talking about the courts. ABC News got its hands on a German documentary from a few years ago featuring our idiot speaker and his daughter. And they followed Mike Johnson uh, as he and his daughter go as dates to a purity ball, a purity dance. It's a father-daughter dance down in Louisiana. Yeah, that, uh, that's kind of creepy. Forget the purity ball. The, the whole idea of a father-daughter dance where the dad picks up a corsage. I know many of you are thinking, well, it's Lu- Louisiana. Of course there would be a father-daughter dance. There are probably brother-sister dances. Purity balls. That's where the daughter, I wish I were making this up. I find this sad. The, the daughter signs a contract with her father not to have sex until she's married. So this is all about controlling a woman's body and controlling her pleasure. It, it, it's, it's saying only one man, you're only permitted to have sex with one man. Only one man will ever be allowed to make you happy in the eyes of the Lord. And you bring them to the purity balls and it take, you make these women sick and terrified. Mike Johnson is this girl's father, the most important man in his daughter's life ever. And so here's the most important man in her life, the template upon which she picks her future husband, poor girl, and he forces her to sign a contract. And then he gives her a purity ring. And she makes a vow to save her body for marriage in in front of her father. This is so beyond abortion, the the controlling a woman's body. Uh, Put this ring on, make a vow. Now, my darling daughter, before me, Jesus that I will have one shot with one man, but I will have to marry him first. And I know Jesus is watching, and I promise that if I have sex before I'm married and lie to you, uh, I will have to give back my purity ring, I will be defiled, and I will burn in hell. Who would do that to a daughter about sex what's going on here I don't want my daughter I mean yeah I mean I I, you know babies you know I I always say I don't want to hear about it babies you know it's like I don't want to know how the sausage is made just give me the baby I don't want to know about my kids what they not interested I understand that but to deny 
one of the greatest gifts that there is. But to deny your daughter love, an expression of love, you have to be married to the guy. And you don't know if he, you're never going to find out if he's a closet case until you marry him. That's what Mike Johnson wants for his daughter. Obsessed with sex. Fearful, Mike Johnson is terrified of all sex, not just gay sex. He's just purity balls. What kind of sex is Mike Johnson doing with his wife that he's so afraid that some guy will talk his daughter into before they get married? What is Mike Johnson doing or trying to do or can't do but wants to do with his wife uh, that he's so terrified that his daughter will be talked into it by a, a strange man? These are sick and diseased people. And he controls the Republican Party right now. Well, besides being a mental defective, a backwater hick from Louisiana, uh, besides being sick in the head, Mike Johnson thinks he's a devout Christian. He thinks he's a devout Christian. So... The question I always ask is, why would a man uh, like Mike Johnson, who's so hung up on sex, so terrified of sex, support Donald Trump, who three wives, rape, rape and rape, uh, objectifies his daughter, hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. How do you go from being Mike Johnson, putting a purity ring on your young daughter, to fighting to the bitter end for Donald Trump? How do you get there? The court, the court, the courts. It is all about the courts. Mike Johnson... These Republicans, they don't care that Trump is a libertine. That he talks about immigrants poisoning our blood or threatening to be a dictator or storms the Capitol to hang Mike Pence or Nancy Pelosi. In the end, all these Republicans are thinking is the court, the court, the court, by any means necessary by any means necessary which means 2024 is going to be a nasty nasty election don't believe the polls biden's approval rating right now means nothing he's got a record to run on an unimpeachable if you will record to run on And the Republicans know this. That's why it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. And we know that Trump is probably, I mean, who knows, 
is going to be the nominee. But even if it's Haley, these Republicans do not hold up under scrutiny. They can't win national elections. Since 1988, only one Republican candidate has won the popular vote for president. That was in 2004, George W. Bush, and we were in the middle of a war. Republicans don't hold up under scrutiny when it comes to the popular vote. They have to win through gerrymandering, the courts, voter suppression, and working the Electoral College. That's how they win, because they do not hold up under scrutiny. The American people reject, given an opportunity to vote, they reject the Republicans. Uh, Trump will not hold up under scrutiny. You know, he did lose in 2020. We're so afraid of him. He lost the popular vote in 2016. uh, And the American people rejected him resoundingly in 2020. And he was the incumbent. So I have faith there. The the American people are going to reject Donald Trump. The special counsel investigating Donald Trump's assorted crimes, Jack Smith, has filed a motion before the United States Supreme Court. I talked about this earlier. Jack Smith is asking the Supreme Court to rule on whether or not President Trump could be found innocent based on the claim of presidential immunity. There's no such thing as presidential immunity. Smith is trying to short-circuit the appeals process by taking it straight to the Supreme Court. Trump's attorneys are already trying to get the two criminal trials thrown out, Jack Smith's two criminal trials, they want them thrown out, based on this horseshit notion that presidents can't be prosecuted for crimes they committed while they served as chief executive. Complete horseshit. Judge Tanya S. Chutkin, who is presiding over the election interference trial in D.C., rejected that argument. So what's going on? Why are, why are they filing these ridiculous motions? Delay, delay, delay. Gum up the works. According to the New York Times, Trump's attorneys are appealing Judge Chutkin's ruling in order to postpone the trial, which is scheduled to begin in March. The thinking is if the defense attorneys can delay long enough by going through the appeals process, eventually Donald Trump will become president again, and then his Justice Department will independently decide to toss the charges out, to toss out, to independently decide to lock up Jack Smith and probably judge Tiny Chutkin. Delay, delay, delay. Just get him back in the Oval Office. That's the idea. Tomorrow, Trump's attorneys must hand to the Supreme Court their response to Jack Smith's motion. Now, there is no guarantee that our Supreme Court 
will allow Jack Smith to leapfrog over the appeals courts. Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. Jack jumped over. Uh, I wish I were more clever. Uh, but he's trying to leapfrog over the uh, appeals courts and get it right into the Supreme Court. One of the justices who will be deciding whether to allow the appeal of Judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling, uh, whether they're going to allow it to be expedited straight to the Supreme Court, one of those justices is, yeah, Clarence Thomas. How do you think Clarence Thomas will rule? How will he rule? Do you think he'll say no to Jack Smith? you think he'll say, let's not hear this case quite yet? You know, the Trump attorneys insist... Trump's got presidential immunity. You think Judge Thomas will say, let's have this wind its way through the appeals process before it gets to us? Or do you think Judge Thomas will say, you know what, let's hear the appeal right now. It's a high profile case. We do this all the time. It involves the office of the presidency. We have an election in November. We have this trial in March. We've expedited rulings in the past. We've jumped over We've allowed prosecutors, attorneys to jump over the appeals courts. Let's take the case right now and make a ruling so we can decide if Trump's criminal trial should or shouldn't start in March. How do you think Judge Clarence Thomas will rule? I'll give you a hint. On January 19th, 2022, the Supreme Court of the United States upheld a lower court ruling that said President Trump had to turn over to the January 6th committee all relevant documents related to their ongoing investigation. Every single justice ruled in favor of the January 6th committee. Every single justice on the Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump did not have executive privilege He's no longer president. He has to turn over to the January 6th committee all relevant documents. Every single justice but one said Donald Trump had to turn over these documents. Every justice but but one. Can you guess which justice? Uh, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. Interestingly enough, the White House documents that then had to be delivered to the January 6th committee revealed numerous text messages to the Trump White House from Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny. Text messages, about 29 text messages that were of interest that were sent during the period between November of 2020, right after the election, and January 6, 2021. In her numerous texts, there was a back and forth between Ginny Thomas and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Uh, Ginny Thomas, in about 29 texts, uh, this is a woman who still maintains Joe Biden stole the election. Clarence Thomas married to an inveterate election denier. She urged the White House to keep fighting, to keep Trump in office. 
she and Mark Meadows went back and forth about how this is a battle between good and evil, and they believe they've got God on their side. That's in the texts. She urged Mark Meadows not to fire the lawyer, Sidney Powell, whose stolen election theories were starting to make even Donald Trump think she was crazy. That's how off the wall her election theories were. Uh, Cassidy, I think it was Cassidy Hutchinson. I don't, in her book, she, she wrote that uh, Donald Trump was talking, in the lead up to January, January 6th, he was talking to Sidney Powell. And uh, he had her on a speakerphone, and then he mouthed the words, she's crazy. Uh, because she took it seriously. Donald Trump knew there was no such thing as election fraud. But Sidney Powell, uh, she was a child prodigy. She really was. And, uh, you know, I think she graduated from law school like when she was five. Something like that. Jenny, uh, uh, Sidney Powell was like off the charts. Uh, but uh, she peaked too early intellectually. And she, I think she believed the election was stolen. And Donald Trump th- said, this woman's crazy. <laughs> so she's, she's actually believes this shit. Uh, well, Jenny Thomas came to her defense. They were going to fire Sidney Powell. And there are text messages where Jenny Thomas is saying, keep her. Don't let. She's good. She's a good person. She's smart. Jenny Thomas was also in constant communication, according to the subpoena documents, with John Eastman, a friend and former law clerk of Judge Clarence Thomas, who is currently on trial in Georgia for writing all the memos outlining why Mike Pence should refuse should refuse to certify the election, even when the the insurrection was going on. John Eastman was sending emails to Mike Pence's chief of staff during the insurrection. Don't certify. So it's odd that out of all nine justices, the only one who voted against releasing these documents to the January 6th committee would end up being Ginny Thomas's husband, Clarence. That is why yesterday, eight Democratic members of the House Judiciary Committee wrote a letter urging Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from making a decision on Donald Trump's presidential immunity. Yeah, I could see why they might think Clarence Thomas would rule that President Donald Trump is immune from prosecution. Clarence Thomas is immune from prosecution. He's just an associate justice of the Supreme Court. So why wouldn't he think Donald Trump is immune from prosecution? And now the Supreme Court is going to have to decide whether or not the Colorado Supreme Court was correct when it ruled that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection. They're going to have to decide whether it was an insurrection and is therefore under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Donald Trump would be ineligible to hold office. How do you think Clarence Thomas is going to rule on that? Especially since Ginny Thomas was there 
on January 6th in the crowd. And it got cold and she had to go home. But, you know, she didn't storm the Capitol. She went home. But she was there. She was there. There are 29 text messages between her and Mark Meadows in the lead up to January 6th. Messages on record. You can look these up. CBS found these. CNN the Washington Post, the New York Times, these are some of her messages. In the lead-up to January 6th, quote, help this great president stand firm, Mark, exclamation point, three times, Mark Meadows. You are the leader with him who is standing for America's constitutional governance at the precipice. The majority knows Biden and the left is attempting the greatest heist of our history. Uh, then another message. Sound like sounds like Sydney and her team, Sydney Powell. Here she is coming to the defense of Sydney Powell, who Donald Trump thinks is crazy. Sounds like Sydney and her team are getting inundated with evidence of fraud. Make a plan. Release the Kraken and save us from the left taking America down. Ginny Thomas called for Trump and Mark Meadows to release the Kraken. And then some really sick stuff about her army getting Trump's back. We got your back. I got my army. We got your back. And then tearfully praying for Trump to stay in office. There is only one word to describe these texts. It is the same word to describe Ginny Thomas. It's one word. Unhinged. This woman sounds and reads and behaves unhinged. Which is why I recommend... Clarence Thomas should probably recuse himself from the Supreme Court entirely. He had a nice run. He's the oldest justice. Plus, he feels cheated. You know, he could have, this is what he always says to the wealthy donors, he could have had a job at a top law firm that would have paid him six to eight million dollars a year. Clarence, come on. Recuse yourself from the entire court. You can finally be paid to make speeches. You've been given it away on the street. Now you can get paid for those speeches. And you could finally trade in that tired, broken down recreational vehicle for something new and exciting that wouldn't embarrass you. And by tired, broken down recreational vehicle, I mean your wife, Jenny. She's not just an embarrassment. In my opinion, I find her disgusting. You should recuse yourself from the Supreme Court and your wife, Jenny Thomas. Recuse yourself. You could do so much better than Jenny, Clarence. And don't feel bad. I heard she went to law school but couldn't pass the bar exam. Fix her up on a date with Jim Jordan. 
they have a lot in common. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Jim Jordan, I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but Jim Jordan, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, attended law school, but couldn't pass the bar exam. Did I ever mention that before? And apparently, from what I've ascertained, Ginny Thomas had trouble passing the bar exam. That's what I've heard. That's what people are saying. Don't know if it's 100% true, but uh, I think she couldn't pass the Nebraska bar exam. How hard is it to be? I'm sorry. Nebraska is a great state. I got to stop picking on uh, any place that isn't New York City. Uh, It's a bad habit. Where am I? DeSantis was impressive. He's worked his debate muscle. And there will be a fourth debate before the Iowa caucuses. And Donald Trump will have participated in none of them. So look, I'm not making any predictions yet. But Donald Trump has not been challenged for four years. All he does is go to rallies and stages these impromptu courtroom press conferences, or he'll do a one-on-one with reporters like this Kristen Welker, the new host of Meet the Press, And she needs access, so she's not going to try to eviscerate Trump during an interview the way Nikki Haley or Chris Christie would in a debate. Now, look, I'm done for a while predicting things. Maybe Trump sails through the Republican primaries. Certainly the polling says he will. But if he loses Iowa, and there's every reason for me to believe He's not going to do as well in Iowa as the polls say. If Nikki Haley has a strong showing in New Hampshire, if Ron DeSantis wins Iowa, uh, if the pro Nikki Haley dark money from the Koch brothers starts flooding the airwaves and it begins to look like Trump is afraid of debating her. I don't know. I, I, I think he's got to debate. I think he's got to debate Nikki Haley or DeSantis. I just don't think DeSantis. I'm not making a prediction. I just think Iowa is one and done for DeSantis, even if he wins Iowa. Uh, I think Donald Trump has to debate Nikki Haley. And debates are not rallies. They're not impromptu press conferences in front of the courtroom. Trump is saying really weird things at his rallies. I don't know if you've seen any lately. or I don't know if you saw the one in Iowa on Saturday. It's creepy. Uh, He spoke uh, in Iowa. There were a lot of things he said, but one of the things that just was, he, he said in one sentence, he said he saved Obamacare 
after John McCain voted to destroy it. But he's going to get rid of Obamacare because it's a disaster. It was bizarre and creepy. His grasp of reality no longer holds up under scrutiny. You get a sense watching the rallies that he's gone. He's checked out. And, he, you know, it's been four years. He's just accustomed to saying whatever he wants with nobody challenging him. At the rally, it was really bizarre. He said that uh, he, he, let me preface this. He says he's going to get rid of Obamacare. And that's the argument Democrats want to have because he has no replacement for Obamacare. And Obamacare is popular. So he knows it's popular. So he said on Saturday that in 2017, there was a vote to eliminate Obamacare. That's true. It was a famous vote. And McCain famously was the deciding vote, which was true. But McCain famously gave a thumbs down. I don't know if you remember that. But he gave a thumbs down on a bill to get rid of Obamacare. So it was a thumbs up for Obamacare. McCain was voting to save Obamacare. But Trump told the crowd McCain voted to kill it. And I saved it. I saved Obamacare. But then he said, we got to get rid of Obamacare. And once again, promised to replace it with something much better. It's he's sick in the head and nothing tracks. It doesn't track. And then he lets slip during the same speech that he's on a mission to destroy democracy. Uh, the stuff about Obamacare is just weird, saying he's going to replace Obamacare, but bragging about how he saved Obamacare. In 2016, when he was running for president, he, he promised to get rid of Obamacare. Throughout his presidency, he never offered anything, never offered an alternative to Obamacare, but staged these votes to eliminate it. He can't keep his lies straight anymore. And people close to him, people close to Trump are saying privately, not only is he not the same guy, there's always been something wrong with him. But now they're saying like he's gone. You know, he's been in this almost solipsistic isolation tank, creating his own reality. And when you watch DeSantis debating Newsom, uh, I can't stand Ron DeSantis, but he's he's been out on the stump. Uh, fielding questions, debating. He has an answer for every question. He can defend his record. And Newsom, he doesn't have the same muscle that DeSantis has. He's not running for president the way DeSantis is. And this made me hopeful because it reminded me that Trump has not been challenged in four years. No press conferences, no debates. His muscle, his muscles and his brains are atrophied and he's getting sicker in the head. Look, I'm holding off on predictions, 
But like I said, we are in the thick of it. And this is an inflection point. Iowa caucuses, January 15th, Trump must pivot. Everything is about to change. You can't make flat out declarations, which, which is what Trump has been doing for four years. You just can't say this is the truth and expect people to nod their heads. Eventually, he's got to do a press conference. Eventually, he's got to do a debate. He's been in a bubble. Eventually, he's going to be challenged. And don't forget, next year, he may take the witness stand. Right now, I know the polls are disheartening, but nobody's paying attention to Donald Trump. We are, but nobody's paying attention to him. They haven't seen his psychosis, his dementia. That is why Trump is doing so well in the polls. That's not me talking. That's what a lot of experts are saying. They're saying, wait till the American people start paying attention. They'll remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now I remember. Uh, I think once Republican voters start paying attention and see he's incapable of telling the truth, that he can't govern, uh, he will not be the authoritarian the fascists in the Republican Party want him to be. Uh, so I don't know what happens. I really don't. Again, I don't know who to root for in the Republican Party. It scares me to say this. We may want him to get the nomination. He's probably going to be easier to beat in the general than Nikki Haley. And I, again, I've said this before. That's what we said about him in 2016, everybody was saying, oh, let's hope it's Trump. It'll be a landslide. I was just reading Shattered. Uh, a month before the 2016 general election, she was leading double digits in the polls. Uh, no predictions, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. 